So, Paul, how are you doing? Have you signed for anyone yet? Big money transfer over to uh, Anfield Rap? Uh, no, I remain firmly committed to the rank cast unless you're going to use me as leverage in a swap deal because my form has dipped so dramatically in the last three months or something. Well, may, maybe that's it. Maybe I'll, we'll, we'll try and get a, a you know, swap deals uh, just almost never happen except with Arsenal apparently, but um, we'll, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and trade you to Arsenal Fan TV. I mean, I think I'd take that. I think that would be more lucrative in the end. And also you get to hang out with troops. That'd be fun. But you'd have to watch Arsenal, and I cannot think of anything worse than having to watch Arsenal with a rooting interest in, on a long-term basis. So, so, like, you know, like I mean, you, you said before the show, oh, oh, maybe we should do our bonus content on just general football chat. Let's, let's do a little yeah. preview of that. Best case scenario for Arsenal is... Wenger retires, Wenger dies, or someone <laughs> shoots him. I mean, it's obviously there's no. He doesn't actually have to die. That that is unnecessary. Technically, and even when David Moyes was the manager of Man United, I but didn't go out as a I hero. Wish death on him. He would not go out as a hero. He has the ship on Wenger going out as a hero sailed a really long time ago. Nah, not if he dies. <laughs> not if he dies. Think, think of all those crappy rock stars who did bugger all during their careers. As soon as they OD on heroin, their music was sent down from heaven and sung by angels. I mean, I can't think of one lionized musician who died who wasn't brilliant, and that's why they got lionised. Oh, well. Tough luck. T- tough luck, Arson. Uh, only, only, only stayed, he overstayed his welcome sort of 10 or 12 10 years. 10 years, 10 years past his sell by day. Honestly, they are, oh, I know I said this last year, but it is a disgrace. He's a genuine disgrace. Him not stepping down is an act of such prodigious selfishness. Like, it's obviously... I mean, he said himself, Ferguson has his horses, right? His horses and his wine, I think he might have said. Because um, football managers can't talk about each other without mentioning wine. It's in the it's in the contract. But what, do I, what else do I have? Wenger's given up his entire life for Arsenal and is so dramatically unsuited to being a top-level Premier League f- manager now. It's it's beyond a joke. They're, they're, I think I looked it up, I think they're 20-something points off City. Yeah, I mean, it's um, he's going to sell all their best players in, in this transfer window. Uh, he's going to take them out of Europe. They're going to finish 10th and he'll retire having left them worse off than when he got to the club. Um, some interesting legacy going on there. Uh, well, Benga's on the way down. Let me tell you about a manager who's on the way up. David Moyes. <laughs> yeah, that West Ham playing well. Yeah, I'm not okay with it. I saw him celebrating a goal on Match of the Day, and it made me feel really uncomfortable. Um, I recognise this is this is my issue, not not Moyes's. But yeah, um, uh, I think it's it's widespread. What what's that phenomenon when you know there's kind of a widespread trauma in a society? <laughs> That's just, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the Moyes did that to us, but uh, look, that's uh, that's uh, you know an odd road to the podcast. We should be talking about Stoke should City we, and, we s- and Manchester United's fine victory. Since over them. we're on on Arsenal, should we start with the transfer guff, um, and then and then do All Stoke right. after that? Guff, it is. Will will thirty five million pounds worth of guff be coming to Old Trafford? Then? Uh, it's so weird. This 
Honestly, like all my friends that I've been chatting to on WhatsApp and stuff, I think I'm annoying them with how... Well, Tom was annoyed with both of us for being negative Nancy's about the Alexis deal uh, in the Rankcast WhatsApp chat. Because I like, but I'm prepared to be completely wrong about this. And I can't wait to be really wrong about this. But spending <laughs> the King's ransom on a 29-year-old who's in the middle of a terrible season... And who, ah, it's the style of player. Alexis is obviously a brilliant player, but he's just been, his whole time at Arsenal, or or certainly the the latter half of his time at Arsenal, has been so me-centric that I just really worry about what he'll do to our attack, which, which struggles to look joined up at the best of times. Uh, So yeah, I'm, I'm strangely not excited about this deal. I'll uh, I'll get excited yeah. when it happens, you know. But I mean, look on on the upside, he he's a top quality player. Clearly, I, I don't think there's too much doubt about that. And uh, he he will score goals for United. And there's multiple positions in which he can mm-hmm. play. Um, uh, you know, very good weapon for United to have. Uh, he is the player who will take on. People and and will get crosses in if he plays there. Probably more likely he'll play through the centre, uh, but he'll play in the sort of number ten role that Mourinho seems to like now, which is actually more of an uh, attacking forward stroke midfielder, not a foot on the ball uh, crate and and sustained play sort That's, of player. Uh, ever- um, everyone and, and he's probably an upgrade on Lingard, right? In terms of quality, um, yeah. I mean. Th- this is this is the thing. So, so I've seen some people expressing doubt about what this would mean for Martial and Rashford, and I think there seems to be very little chance that Alexis will come in and play on the left. I mean, Mourinho's talked endlessly about the need for a player on the right, um, but the fact that it looks like this might there might actually be a swap deal and Mkhitaryan would be going out would definitely make me think that yeah, this would just relegate Lingard to second choice number ten, really, and I mean like Mourinho number ten. Uh, Ramdeuter. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. So those are, those are the upsides. The downsides are uh, he's getting on a bit. Uh, it's a huge amount of money, uh, and uh, and he is very me centric. You know, all, all the press about him says that uh, actually probably the most important thing for him right now is is uh, getting the best deal he possibly can. But you know, why not? It's his final great contract. I would I would think. Um, and um, uh, and so we're getting a bit of an ego, you know, in one who's who's not turned it on at Arsenal's darkest hour, at least the latest <laughs> darkest hour. I mean, you know, a, a friend of mine told me said that really he's a lot of his worst kind of me centric behaviour on the pitch has been as a consequence of how frustrated he is at Arsenal. Just be, be, and, right. and that does make sense. And maybe at United he would you know, feel like he was surrounded by better players. Well, no question about it. He'd be surrounded by better players at United. Um, the one thing that you... Yeah, actually, actually, I find it weirder, the concept that he would go and play with uh, Pep Guardiola again. You know, yeah. look, he's going to fit in, in... Like, United's not a team at the moment, at least not in an attacking sense. Um, lots of very talented individuals that 
sometimes look like they're you know working as a team um at, at city where they've got a, a machine that's purring really well perhaps not purring so well at anfield the other night um and uh, and you know he'd come in be more disruptive he's also a player who keeps the ball far too long for a pep team and uh, didn't pep sell him in the first place uh, and it, it it seems an odd one it seems like he's not a natural pep player no but for all the the still reporting was that pep was very keen um <laughs> Someone else said to me, uh, I think there's a bit of a problem when Manchester City are balking at the amount of money involved. <laughs> and Man United are just like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, we'll pay the money. You know, there's a slight role reversal there, isn't there? There is a role reversal, although I have to say I, I found the narrative of uh, some Spanish-based journalists and uh, their acolytes uh, a bit rich i mean honestly like kind of making out that uh, uh the city were you know somehow on a moral high horse when it comes to money um and united were throwing it around in some kind of gauche manner was um you know i i think not very cognizant of the last sort of eight or nine years of history no. uh, was it or, or the fact that you know united fans are quite happy with this because we've seen owners take a billion pounds out of the club rather than down the road where they've stuck about that much into it I mean, okay, so putting aside my slightly uncharacteristic grumpiness about the player, which I will, I promise everyone, I'll totally put that aside and just be excited and buzzing if he does sign. There is this thing of... So when when Ferguson signed Van Persie, it was clearly a, a move of profound opportunism. And it gave the club an enormous short-term lift it was easily worth the transfer fee just for the fact that it it won us that Premier League in Ferguson's last season, and that's priceless, you know. But, of course, then, after that, Van Persie's decline was dram- absolutely... I mean, it was dramatic. He had two-thirds of a good season at United. Van Persie did, if you look at it in totality, because there was that middle bit of the season, the first season, where he was battling with injuries. But, you know... so. In totality, that opportunistic signing, we all think of it as having worked out spectacularly because it did in terms of short-term lift. But over the long term, it was very expensive and not how you kind of want to run a club. I'm not saying we shouldn't have signed him, obviously, because it was worth it. But Alexis is not going to win us the league this season, clearly. Not at all. It's not at all obvious that he'll win us the league next season either. Um. So he's unlikely to have the same level of kind of binary impact as Van Persie did. And yet sure. it's equally opportunistic. It's it's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe if we throw enough money at this, we can get him to come to the well, other it's, Manchester It's very club. opportunistic, yeah. I mean, what he might do, of course, is that little bit of extra quality in the big games that United have been struggling with. Of yeah. course, we'd, we'd have to get out of our own third of the pitch, you know, <laughs> where the double bus is parked firmly at the moment. Maybe maybe it'll encourage Mourinho to attack a bit more. Um, so, yeah, I, sure. Yeah, I kind of kind of get your point there. It's, it's also not where United are at. United are 15 points behind or 12 points behind City and in fact as I spoke about at length on last week's pod really should be an awful lot more uh, behind uh, I noticed a few people came out with this data this week as well um, uh, not not saying that they listen to the pod or it's just you know it's an obvious conclusion to to draw I suppose and 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 so you know actually what we need now are, are quality players when we can get them uh, so it's very opportunistic it's it's very much Woodward-esque, isn't it? There doesn't appear to be any kind of plan. Uh, I think you wouldn't know because you're not on Twitter anymore, but I compared it to a teenager fumbling around with a 
a bra strap. <laughs> you know, this it, it's just there's no dexterity to it whatsoever. United's transfer um, strategy, most likely. If Mkhitaryan goes the other way and Sanchez does come in, we're paying Sanchez's agent a fortune and we'll probably be paying Mino Raiola a fortune to get rid of the player we paid him a fortune to bring in 18 months ago. Yes, also remarkable stories coming about coming out about Mkhitaryan's wages. <laughs> like, he is being paid a great deal of money at Man United. Um, well, it's, you know, I, I know this is going to be a hindsight analysis, Um but uh, you know you had a you had a confidence player um uh who who had a certain type of uh, quote unquote philosophy about how to play football whole bunch of people uh who are you know bigger and deeper watchers of the Bundesliga than me saying mm, not sure he's a good fit with Mourinho um uh, and uh, Mourinho who uh, is my way or the highway no subtlety in his personal management style whatsoever you know you you're running through brick walls for him or not um and everyone accepts that you know and and uh, it in hindsight and this is deep hindsight doesn't feel like a very good fit does it no and it's ironic because skill set wise it felt like a brilliant fit it felt like actually this is exactly what we need particularly if he's going to play on the right regularly. That was my my real excitement about Mkhitaryan is because that was clearly where the gap was. But actually, he's been something of it. I think he's had one, maybe one good game there, and most of his better games have been at number 10. And, and I'll be really sad to see the end of the Mkhitaryan experiment just because he's a player that on his day, I love watching him. I've, you know, he's brought, oh, sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, he's a way better player than we've been seeing this season. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and uh, look, there's one narrative that says he really only had one good season, one great season in the Bundesliga, uh, and maybe that was the outlier. And, uh, you know, what we're seeing now is not the outlier. So, you know, that's one way of thinking about it. Maybe he's just a very good player that needs to play in a, a team that gets the ball to his feet in the right kind of areas more often. I mean, maybe, but I, I, I wonder how much of this is technical or tactical and how much of it is just that the, when the ball, well, however you get the ball to Mkhitaryan at the moment, he's going to shank it because that's what he's just done every time. He's, not every time, but, you know, he's misplaced... He's misused the ball so often mm. this season that that isn't so, about. That's about. Um, I mean, what what do you think about uh, an attack then? That's you know on form is is Martial Sanchez. We're making some big assumptions. Yeah, it's, it's going to be especially funny this podcast when he turns up at Stamford Bridge yeah. next week. <laughs> um, uh, and Matter, I guess, because um, actually for all the talk of uh, Mourinho wanting to ship Matter out, plays him more often than not. Yeah. Uh, and Lukaku up front, you know, there's certainly some talent there. Yeah, and 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 you know, I, I think at the moment Martial, Mata, and Lingard, or Martial, Lingard, and Mata is the best three behind the striker combination for balance. We talked, I tried to, I was very inarticulate about this, but I was trying to express how much I'm enjoying how that's working tactically. And that was really, when we come to talk about the Stoke game, that was really, really evident. Matter was so important to that Stoke performance, um, just tied everything together. And I, and I think you could easily sort of say, you go Martial Sanchez, Martial Lingard Sanchez. Well, that's that's really like devastating to defences. But I think you need Matter in there to 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 knit things together. And yeah, there's a, there's an enormous amount of ta- talent there. And even though Lingard's in a huge purple patch and he's genuinely playing absolutely brilliantly at the moment, we don't know how sustainable that's going to be. And Sanchez is obviously an upgrade on that. And 
Lingard would be a heck of a backup to have because he can back up any of the three positions, really. Yeah, um, this, this is, I guess, the only transfer we know of uh, to date. Um, uh, the plans were always to bring in a left-back. Doesn't seem like that's needed anymore, does it? No, it's good, uh, isn't it? Luke Shaw is back, and uh, hopefully that's uh, that's for good because if he is, it's going to save United spunking forty million pounds on a inferior player and Danny Rose um, could well do with a right back, though. You know, <laughs> at least some cover there because Damian is awful and, and Valencia's not having a great season, honestly. Well, um, come on. This is not the week to say that, Ed. <laughs> Although he just got a screamer, of course, yeah. Um, uh, and and I'm sure what Jose would really want is a top-quality central midfielder to complement what he's got in there already. Yeah, but, we, I mean, the, the Sanchez thing is like, uh, it's like, like Mourinho said, if a player like that becomes available, doesn't matter if it's January or March or whenever. It's like, well, I think it probably matters if it's March, Jose. <laughs> won't be allowed. Um, but no, you know, it's it's that is the kind of signing you make in January. But I mean, I would be shocked to my tiptoes if we sign a quality central midfielder in January. Um, I, I imagine if we do get Sanchez, it'll just be Sanchez, I would guess. Uh, most likely, especially given the numbers. Uh, although uh, there may not be a lot of cash changing hands, it looks like. Uh, awful lot of cash going into uh, uh, Mr. Sanchez's back pocket. Um, should we talk about football then? Yeah. Uh, those, than, uh, transfers. Just, there, there was a game this week and it was quite good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So It was so fun. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was just stupid fun, wasn't it? I mean, this is the arena in which... Mourinho's United is so head and shoulders above any version of United since Fergie retired. Or battering crappy, crappy teams. Yeah, and and, and doing it in like with a kind of joie de vivre that it's like, it's so worth watching Man United now. You're going to see some brilliant football and players having fun and getting on with each other and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, there, there have been a few misses in terms of battering crappy teams. Not too many, but uh, quite a lot of hits. And I suppose the only thing that was a little bit off about this game was the fact that it finished 3-0 and not 4-0, <laughs> which is, the uh, you know, the standard go-to scoreline, isn't it, for beating these shitty teams. I mean, Stoke haven't got a manager. They've just appointed Paul Lambert. Interesting choice. Uh, probably not a very popular one. Um, but, uh, you know, so say people in the game, a better coach than his uh, really awful record suggests. Hmm. Good good luck, Stoke. Yep. Currently in the bottom three, Stoke. Um, and and they were they were really poor. I mean, just really, you know, they what they created a few chances in the first half. Yeah, uh, I mean... Almost nothing at all in the second half. At 1-0... It was pretty hairy for a bit. Like Stephen Ireland was really like tearing yeah, it's it true. up. He had a he had a very very good chance, didn't he, Stephen Ireland, uh, at one nil. But I mean, as soon as it was two nil, that was it was United were in complete control of this game. Yeah, uh, lovely goals. Like we need to talk about the fact that Antonio Valencia didn't just score a screamer. The, the fact that Antonio Valencia scoring a screamer is it, it, it doesn't happen every week, but it's uh, it's not so surprising when it happens. Antonio Valencia scoring a screamer with his left foot 
is when you start looking out the window and making sure that the clouds haven't turned like purple. You know, well, it's... you know, you buy a ticket, you win the lottery, don't you? <laughs> you, you take a real swing at it. Um, and, the- and he smacks into the top corner. There's, I, I saw some data today on uh, Jack Butland. He, he, because I think he's a very talented keeper. He's having a really bad season. Um, his, uh, his, uh, the XG against. Sorry, this is really boring, people, isn't it? <laughs> it's way higher than uh, it, it should be. Um, it, the complete opposite picture to David de Gea. Um, uh, in any case, um, don't think he could have done much about that. Uh, no. There was a very funny line on commentary. I was watching it on Sky, and I think Danny Murphy was the co-commentator. It might have been... Yeah, I think it was Danny Murphy. Um, But he said, you've got to show him down the line there. And I was like, show him down the line? That's Antonio Valencia. You don't need to show him down the line onto his right foot. You need to shuffle him onto his left foot, which he can't do anything with. And all right, one in 50,000 times, he'll score a screamer. But I do not think it's good advice to defenders to not try and to try and show Antonio Valencia outside. Yes, is this the same Danny Murphy who, uh, who, um, whose analysis of uh, Nabi Keita... Uh, really highly high quality central midfielder, uh, unfortunately going to Liverpool, uh, was uh, something along the lines of, oh, well, he's not tried very hard. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, um, I mean, you know, yes, you, you don't need to show Antonio Valencia down the line. You can show him the left foot. He's not Iron Robin, is he? <laughs> no, but he turned into him briefly and it was a beautiful sight. Um, uh, what was beautiful was the second goal. Oh. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can't tell you how hard that technique must be to... <laughs> He's passed that with some incredible power into the top corner from uh, uh, Pogba's sidewards ball. Um, that that at that point, Pogba had four assists in a row for absolute worldies from outside the box. <laughs> Brilliant! Pogba just keeps like, shuffling sideways passes to. I think it was can't even remember. Maybe Martial twice, Lingard and Valencia. I can't remember who it was that scored the other goal against Derby that wasn't uh, Lingard. But yeah, four assists in a row for Pogba just from sideways passes. Good ones though. Like the pass from Pogba to Martial was really smart in that moment, and Martial did brilliantly as he is wont to do. Although, needs to give 5% more, according to Carragher and Neville, on baffling, talk of baffling analysis. I I, I, I just, at my wit's end with that. I, I just don't know what they're talking about. Um, they, those two aren't idiots. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty good normally. So, I don't know, Neville's always had a bee in his body about, bonnet, a bee in his bonnet about Martial, hasn't he? So. Doesn't smile enough. That's the problem. Although he, he gave a big, broad grin after he'd scored that goal. <laughs> Certainly did. And Lukaku went to not celebrate and then went, oh no, wait a minute, I'm supposed to celebrate now and went mad. Like, it was lovely to see him score and I thought he had an excellent game. I thought his all-round play was was superb all the way through that game. There was a couple of moments where he could have maybe, um, well, like, actually, it was everything but the fox-in-the-box stuff that he was getting right. Um, but what a, I mean, that, there's not that many strikers in the Premier League that would have kind of held off the defender in that way and scored like that. No, it's a really fine goal. I mean, given that Martial's absolutely hammered that into him. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, a lot of the time, uh, the criticism of, of Lukaku is fair that that kind of thing bounces off his shins. Uh, it didn't this time. He uh, He's controlled it in the midriff, uh, just avoided the handball and and has brilliantly held off two defenders and lashed it in. Yeah. Really, really fine goal. Exactly what United bought him for. Other highlights of that game. I mean, like I said, I thought I thought Mata was was just excellent in that game. I just thought so much of our, you know, 
it's clear in a in a against a team like that he has got a genuinely free role um and and so much of our good stuff was him and Pogba and Lingard and Martial and Lukaku all you know exchanging partners uh, exchanging not exchanging exchanging passes <laughs> no, absolutely, you know? <laughs> absolutely clear about this keep, keep I meant, party at Old Trafford uh, these days yeah. uh, uh, and and occasionally Matic joining in too and Luke Shaw backing him up Valencia backing him up to a lesser extent too so lots of very sure. good interplay very defensively vulnerable I thought in the first half All right we we could fairly easy to cut open Phil Jones with that absolutely brilliant block at one point um, when there was the, the really big chance. Um, captain Phil Jones. Oh, I was, didn't, was he captain for the night? I didn't spot that. Well, uh, good on him if he was. Well deserved. I think I'm, I may be making that up. Okay. But, <laughs> well, but something in my head said that was right. Um, uh, could, could be lying about that one. Um, I, I thought Pogba was the standout player, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know he's he's uh, this is uh, the this is the Pogba that we all wanted and he's uh, he's showing it every single week now you know putting up great numbers you mentioned the assists uh he's got really good number of assists got a few goals we'd like him to score a few more but he's controlling games yeah and and the not so much in this game but recently that's been about a change of system hasn't it but in this game there was there was certainly no need to play a 4-3-3 because Pogba could just basically join the attack at will, but I think that's probably why there was that kind of systemic vulnerability in the in in the middle of the park in, during the first half, which which led to some issues. All right, well that was good. Back on track, and um, uh, you know needed that victory, especially especially with City losing. Uh, in, uh, did you see the Liverpool City game? That was uh, that was a bit of a cracker, wasn't it? Saturday night. Yeah, that's I think we'll talk about that in Sunday the bonus night. content. Uh, Antonio Valencia was captain in that game. Ah, just looked it up. All right. so not Phil Jones, sadly. Um, uh, the other, there was one other thing that I wanted to uh, mention about the Stoke game, which was uh, when Mourinho made the substitutions. Uh, Lingard was kind of like walking off the pitch slowly, um, as you would do, and Rashford, he like Fellaini was coming on for. Uh, Lingard, but Rashford was coming on for Martial, obviously. Um, but uh, while Lingard was walking off slowly, Rashford just looked at him and went, hurry up, it's freezing. <laughs> it was brilliant. That's lovely. Um, the two of them clearly getting on very well in Dubai. Did you did you see any of the uh, the social media output of the Manchester United lads in, in Dubai, Ed? Not really. I thought you weren't doing social media anymore. No, no, I'm just not doing Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're in the other hole of image based hole of villainy and scum. Sure. Is Instagram. But I'm not. Um, I don't have yeah, to. I saw a little bit of it. I, I didn't pay an awful lot of attention. What, what were the highlights? Uh, they looked like they were having a good time. The highlights were. Um, Rash, Jesse Lingard is always the highlight of Man United social media output, apart from when Lukaku put them all singing in the dressing room, or a few of them singing in the dressing room after the Stoke game. But um, Jesse Lingard's Instagram story. Uh, and Snapchat story of of them visiting a zoo. Didn't look very nice that zoo though. And I was a bit worried about some of the big cats in that zoo. I thought, mm, doesn't look like ideal conditions, in my opinion, for the they, they visit <laughs> in the middle of the desert. They, they visited yeah. a liger. You know, um, it was dark. You couldn't really see, but it just looked it looked a bit grim. I thought, uh, but they they were all having a lovely time, and they all seemed to they, there seems to be a genuine team spirit in this squad, which is which is nice to see because. 
like we've said, I guess, many times in the past, it's easy to have team spirit when you're flying at the top of the table. But this this team is facing some degree of adversity, but they, they seem to be pretty committed to fighting through it together, which is which is good. Yeah. I mean, what what they are in is a four-way fight for Champions League places. Yeah. And Spurs are, are six points behind United, but that's only, you know, that's six points covering second to fifth. Um, that's not much of a swing. And, uh, you know, in, in 15 games that we've got left, it's going to be a real dogfight. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, I mean, you know, it's, only, it's in fact only one swing the wrong way for United to end up in fourth, uh, which is, uh, you know, playing in Russia or somewhere in the qualifying round next July. But that's two swings, isn't it? It's not one, it's not one swing because both teams have to leapfrog United to to get for us to get into that mess and yes and we've got to play Liverpool and Chelsea again and I think, uh, I think both of them so well, I mean, but look, I mean, no when, I get what you mean but it doesn't mean it's there doesn't have to be a collapse on behalf of United uh to to be outpointed in the second half of the season yeah it's three points no but I, I've been reflecting quite a lot on on the stuff around the data that you were talking about last week and the kind of and and where United are at versus where they inverted commas should be at and I I think what the, what that data shows us is our kind of suspicion that there have been quite a lot of games where United weren't that good is is pretty fair. And but what I don't think is it's not like we've been randomly scraping a load of victories and are really lucky to be in the position we're in. Like it would I would it would take an awful lot to convince me that the story that the data is telling is really that because that's so at odds with what the experience have been watching United for most of this season. Like I'd remain fairly confident that United are going to be able to pick up consistent results against the teams that are worse than them in the second half of the season, just because we've got so many good players, you know, this is by far the best team since we've had, since 12-13 and it might even be a better team in terms of just the sheer quality of players and where they're at in their career than than 12-13 it's not as good as a, a collective functioning whole obviously but you know I I remain like I think it would I think it would be quite surprising if we don't end up finishing the season in second or third place okay okay it's um it's one game in it <laughs> between second and fourth, so um, it, uh, it wouldn't be that much of a shock. Uh, and certainly, none of the models would show that there's uh, there's too much between these teams. But just just goes to say, this is you know it's going to be tight. Um, maybe United is the second best team in the country, uh, but it's not by much uh, based on form or data. Um, so you know, victories like the one against Stoke was really important. Yeah, victories against Burnley next week will also be very important, a team that's not playing very well at the moment. No, by far they're... Well, should we should we do some Twitter questions and then preview Burnley? Uh, yeah, let's stick to the uh, the normal format. Uh, talking to social media, before I forget, mm-hmm. <laughs> did, did you happen to see... This is very cruel. You know, Ryan Giggs took the Wales job this week. Uh, oh, bad, bad time. Yeah. He's been seeking a job. He's been, he's been on the dole for like four years. Didn't you say literally last week he's never going to get a job? Isn't, wasn't that on <laughs> yeah, this podcast yeah, last yeah. week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was hoping reverse psychology <laughs> would work uh, or something like that. Anyway, so he's taken the Wales job and... Uh, uh, some cruel japester has uh, tweeted out video of um, 
Ryan Giggs's sort of pre-match analysis. Not, no, it's not in the dressing room. It's sort of video analysis of of uh, his last game in charge of Manchester United as a as temporary boss. Um, and I have to say, it's cruelly hilarious just how bad he is. Um, his punditry was fully in the the media room there, um, and uh, you know, and it's pretty dry stuff anyway. But uh, you, you're it's hoping there's. I'm hoping there's more strings to his management bow than that are you are you hoping that like do we are we rooting for ryan Giggs? is that is that where we're at as a, as a collective at the moment like why not united legend ryan Giggs. i mean obviously obviously not not like in a way kind of the definitive united legend but also quite possibly absolutely abhorrent human ryan Giggs. No, he did, he did a bit of philandering. It was all consensual, we think. So that was, um, that was his brother's wife, though. Like, is that story not true? Like, if that story's not true, then fair enough. But uh, I don't know. I find it I find it hard to be um, emotionally invested in Ryan Giggs these days. Also. It's hard not to suspect he's going to do an absolutely terrible job with Wales. Also, it feels weird that that a player whose entire reputation about his time with the national team was based on him, like, basically not turning up whenever it was possible. You know, yeah. seems like a slightly odd fit. Well, that might have been Fergie's doing. Anyway, yeah. on to some rank cast questions. Okay. Um, uh, there's uh, Andy Mitten put out uh, a piece today saying that um, United and uh, Mourinho are close to agreeing a new contract. So his contract runs out in 2019. It may go on a bit further. Some people seem to think we've got an agenda against Mourinho. Wait. It's not true. So, some people, uh, well, yeah, some people cannot accept nuanced discussion and analysis. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. You know who you are. The who <laughs> emailed me. Um uh, apparently, you're supposed to tell me to calm down, by the way, uh, <laughs> and other suggestions of that nature. Uh, what state do you think Jose will leave United in? Ready for a manager with a specific ethos? Question mark says 8% Android on Twitter. It's a great question. Um, historically, teams tend to do really well after Mourinho leaves. I think Inter's probably the, the except in Chelsea. Chelsea, the first time round, ran into... Uh, an absolutely brilliant United team, but made it to the Champions League final and a couple of years later won the Champions League. Um, Real Madrid obviously won the Champions League, I think, was it... It wasn't the two seasons in a row back-to-back, was it? Or Anyway, they certainly won the Champions League in the season after yeah. he left, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, uh, Zizan, Zidane, 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 Zidane. Well, there was, there was um, Benitez, right? And Ancelotti was after Mourinho, was he? Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. And then, well, Zidane, Zidane won it in his first season in charge. Did yeah, he win so it again after I th- that? And, I think Ancelotti won it, and then they didn't win it one year, and then, then they won it twice in a row, or something like that. I can't remember. Anyway, they've done they've done all right for themselves, haven't they? In the, in the aftermath, yeah, of... n- not currently doing great in La Liga at the moment. <laughs> no. um, uh, m- more rumours this week that Ronaldo uh, may be on his way out. Um, I think he's just looking for someone to pay his tax bill, isn't he? Um, anyway, yeah, I, you know, I think he'll leave it in a stronger position than um, than when he came. 
if there isn't some mega meltdown. Uh, and I guess the uh, hierarchy are confident if they really are close to agreeing a new contract with him that there won't be a mega meltdown um, because uh, they'll be paying off his contract for a very long time. Uh, Van Hal this week came out and said um, <laughs> that he refused to take the Belgium job uh, to spite United and get the final year of his contract. I love him so much. Like, he's a bad man. Like, he took Raphael away from us. It's not okay. But, like, oh, he is funny. He is Mm. funny. Odd. Uh, Anyway, at Stan underscore Chow, um, uh, very famous artist now, at Stan Chow, um, has Luke Shaw done enough to be first choice left back for the rest of the season? And uh, on a similar theme, at Ryan Terpstra 93 says, how bad was Shaw's defensive positioning in the first half versus Stoke? Clue, very. Um, I'm not sure it was that bad. Although, uh, as we mentioned, there were a few uh, a few chances given away. Um, has he done enough to be first choice left back for the rest of the season? Surely. There's not much competition, is there? Surely he's done enough. Yeah, like his job is to be a better left back than Ashley Young. That, that's that's the, the bar and he's definitely that. Um, mm. I, I, I um, think so. Cameron Borthwick Jackson is on his way back from his loan at Leeds. Oh, see, I, I, I don't know whether that means he's in figuring in the first team picture. He's had a few difficult loan spells. Cameron has, yeah. Um, and also, like the extent to which Borthwick Jackson is more Van Hal than Mourinho simply cannot be overstated. Um, I, no, I, I think Shaw's done enough because, not least of which, because of how much he gives going forward, and he is still at the stage of his career where he can make up for a lot of his like defensive positioning errors with just outright speed, um, in the kind of way that Rio Ferdinand did early in his career. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think I think the good of Shaw seriously outweighs the bad of Shaw. Hmm. Whole what bunch you... of questions on Sanchez, as you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, from at the Lone Razor, at Front Row United, a uh, bunch of others. Um, where do you expect him to play? Uh, and if Sanchez and Ozil signed, hmm, uh, <laughs> what would you expect the team formation to be? Um, oh, I've got a, a question as well by email from Declan Diamond, um, uh, who's sort of asking would, whether we'd be concerned about the progression of Martial and Rashford if... if Sanchez comes and I have to say and he was saying that he he doesn't think he would be too concerned about that and I'd have to agree that that I think I think Lingard's progression might be negatively affected and maybe Juan Mata's role in the side would be diminished I think those are the two players mm. who'd be would be vulnerable because like D- does this mean uh, no Antoine Griezmann Well that's a great question isn't it because I mean then we'd really be talking about someone in that attacking. It just seems to me that this is not the area in the pitch, which we, we'd maybe one more would be good. Like, yeah. Okay. Sanchez or Ozil or Griezmann, but you don't need more than one of them based on the players we've already got there. And when our attacking play looks bad, it's very rarely the players that certainly the players that were on the pitch against Stoke don't seem to be the problem here. No, right. Um, although not so much in the big games. Uh, at JSF underscore seven says, uh, what's your opinion on how Sanchez will handle the fact that he's going to be understudy to Messi Lingard? <laughs> 
Well, if that was the case, I suspect he would handle it very poorly indeed. Well, that would be my yeah. guess. Yeah, and he also says, miss you, Paulino. There's, there's <laughs> oh. not a lot of sobby on Twitter, I've got to say. Ask Paul to come back. <laughs> Boo-hoo, cry me a river. Are you like, like, since you you're not on Twitter, I need to troll you live in person. <laughs> Cheers, just to just to keep just to keep the just to keep my guard up a little bit. Stay, That's sa- right. Save me from being too like happy and comfortable and peaceful good, in my life. Good. Don't like that. Yeah. yeah. At Questy underscore twenty says, uh, "How do Sanchez's scorpion kick stats compare to Mickey's?" Well, he's 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 nil to one. Yeah, sure. exactly. And like this is what I was trying to say earlier about McTorin was not. Necess- I mean, obviously, like it's not working. But that scorpion kick is a brilliant example of why I love Mkhitaryan, just because he's so improvisational and so talented and so able to do, like, amazing stuff. Um, and so just, like, style-wise, he's the kind of player I really like. Uh, Matthew Estuge, S-T-I-U-G-E. I never know how to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do we stop with this sensible spending stuff and just go for a premium squad talent to improve our starting eleven? About time we financially doped like every other club. <laughs> I- I'm not sure that's a question. It's a statement. I agree. I want money on the pitch. Well, I mean, the thing is, financial doping is about getting money from areas other than football, isn't it? And you know, yeah. That's... So we we work out a way to sell off all the Glazers dirty strip malls, <laughs> bring it back to the club and spend all that money. Yeah, that'd be some financial doping. No, I mean, you know, listen, this is what we've, this has been the model, hasn't it? Look at the last two seasons. Zlatan, Pogba, uh, Mkhitaryan, not so much Eric Bailly. Um, last season, Lukaku. Uh, who else did we sign in the summer? It seems so long ago now, Ed. I've, uh, Matic, I mean, absolutely. Route one premium type player. Oh my god, I'm really embarrassed. I can't think of the third player we signed this summer. I mean, we signed Zlatan back, but that's not L- Lindelof. It. Lindelof, right? There you go. So that's not that doesn't fit into that category. But but, who apparently earns more than Martial. But at least half yeah. of those players fit into that category. We are doing that, aren't we? That that's that is the current United model. Uh, would Paul come back to Twitter in exchange for De Gea's ponytail being transferred to the bin? Says at Feld by Magpie. Um, no. No, you you wouldn't. I'm, if, if David De Gea, if I get David De Gea to say, yeah, I'll chop my ponytail off in order that you come back to Twitter, you wouldn't you wouldn't cut it out. You wouldn't come back. Obviously not, because that wouldn't benefit. I don't really mind it that much. It's all right now. It's grown a bit longer. It's kind of more acceptable. But also, I mean, if David De Gea says like, I will stay at Man United for the rest of my career, I might think about it. But David De Gea stays for the rest of his career plus cash. Then I'm I'm in. Uh, at Joey M underscore UX says, when will Angel An- Angel Gomez be slotted in the first team? Did we call it Angel or Angel? Angel. Um, angel, Straight exactly. Up angel. Yeah. Yep. Angel uh, since Gomez. he's from Manchester. Um, London, but yeah. Uh, PS Twitter is less entertaining without Paul. <laughs> God, I mean, this is like one big cocksucking fest here, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if you know this right, but one of the means by which humans can interact is by being kind to each other and like saying nice things, and that that isn't weird. That's like a a normal, good, healthy way of relating to other humans. Uh, there's a great passage in uh, the Fire and the Fury, this uh, book about Donald Trump that uh, you may have heard about in the press, um, in which they bring in the mooch, uh, this uh, wide boy. I don't know if that's the term for Americans, but, you know, he's a wide boy. Yeah. Um, a trader uh, who had a sort of fund of funds and he comes in as communications director and starts slagging everyone off and uh, 
Uh, and uh, he gets drunk at a party with a New Yorker reporter and uh, starts describing Steve Bannon as uh, being able to suck his own cock. Um, and it's metaphorical, but of course, being the New Yorker, being the uber fact checkers that they are. And this, this story went around. The second bit didn't. Um, the first Bannon hears about it is when a fact checker from New Yorker calls him up and says, yeah, we've uh, we've heard that you are able to fellate yourself. Is this true? <laughs> Oh, God, that's very New Yorker. Very New Yorker. Uh, anyway, the mo- I, I, the mooch, uh, I digress. The mooch who lasted uh, less time in the Trump administration than Mkhitaryan's going to manage at Old Trafford. He managed 10 days, yeah, um, which is, well, you know, they're an entertaining 10 days. I'm not sure Mkhitaryan has given us 10 days' worth of entertainment. Of course he has. No, I'm not having this. There's a lot of revisionism about Mkhitaryan. Like, last year, Europa League campaign, he was excellent. And then when he came back into the side in the league at the back end of last season, he was really good too. So, no, it's not, it's not all been flop it's just been it started badly and then it's ending badly too had an all right bit in the middle all right all right all right um last question at frank underscore grotens us and this kind of question you like uh would you rather win the premier league in a dramatic run in over city or win the champions league with a marcus rafford Rashford screamer in the final. Ooh. Tell you what, actually, we didn't we didn't really uh, talk about this, but I, I do wonder whether Sanchez might uh, give United um, a fighting chance in the Champions League of yeah. of you know I, I mean good draw Sevilla not playing that well. You'd expect United to make the quarters, but um, semi finals or final right now is not looking you know it's not looking beyond United by any means. No, and yeah, that that would be a, a big difference that's a, such a difficult question it's so difficult because on one hand the champions league is this like mystical thing you you know we've only won it three times um it, it's harder to win the champions league than the league in a way isn't it um but on the other hand you can fluke the champions league and you can't really fluke the league and it would be so incredible to win the league this season with everything that's gone on in the first half of the season. It would be such an amazing buzz. And like, imagine the trophy celebrations in Manchester if we won the league off City this season. Like, oh. that'd be something else. But then on the other hand, we could make the old argument that, you know, like just like 1968, all right, they win the league, we're going to win the European Cup. To exactly. Either them. would be good. Yeah. Either would be. Of course, Pep can't suck his own cock because uh, Guillaume Balaguet is too busy doing it for him. <laughs> so if you. Uh, the question, the spirit of the question is that you have to pick one. And I. Th- no, I take the league. It's always. It's always. About, you know, I know the promised land yeah. is in Europe and all that. And, and the. The one-upmanship would be pretty sweet, but I still think it's the league for me, and it's been five years, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, important to get that in. Okay, that's questions. Uh, I didn't ask all of them by any means, millions of questions, and, uh, you know, I'm probably not doing a very good job reading the max. It's not been my job for, like, four years. Sorry about that. Making me do extra work. Yeah, right. Outrageous. Stoke, now, since I've had to read all those questions out, you've got to do deep analysis on, not Stoke, Burnley. Burnley, give uh, it to us. Well, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because all the way through the first half of the season, I mean, they they are still seventh in the league, which is absolutely miraculous. 
Um, especially given the fact that they've only scored 19 goals. Uh, to put that in the context, um, 16th, you have to go down to 16th in the league to find a team that have scored fewer goals than them. And uh, then you have to keep going down to uh, only West Brom and Swansea at the bottom of the league. So there are only three teams in the division that have scored fewer goals than Burnley this season. Two of those 19 goals came against us, of course, which is like a dramatically almost, no, over 10% of their goals have been scored against Man United. Um, uh, sorry to get all nerdy on this as well, but their, uh, their XG is actually only 16 goals as well, <laughs> so they got a bit lucky there. Well, no, that's, that's the thing, because in a way, the, the consistency of their results is a bit of a challenge to the existing XG models. Because yeah, yeah. no, no, I think that's right. Yeah. Their defend, they defend so deep that they give up chances that would have been con- would generally be considered by those models to be good chances. But actually against Burnley, they're not that good chances. There's four defenders between them and the goal. You know, um, so it's, it's, it's a strange and novel approach to the Premier League. And I think even Sean Dyche in his more honest moments would probably admit that the results were slight overperformance on the first half of the season. And, and I think it's very unlikely that they'll finish the league in seventh, particularly if their form continues like it's been because the last game they won was against Stoke on the 12th of December um, which is a really long time ago uh, the the one sort of bit that you could say in defence of them is that their most recent game against Crystal Palace uh, finished 1-0 to Palace but, but Burnley were pretty unlucky in that game like Palace were excellent in the first half but then um, Burnley like really grew into that game in the second half and were kind of pretty unlucky not not to get a result but they've had they've had some dodgy they've had some dodgy results in amongst this they failed to beat Huddersfield away although I kind of feel like Christmas results in a way you have to slightly discount given given the kind of schedule that all these teams had um they got battered by Spurs at home they got battered by City away in the cup they they held Liverpool to a 2-1 on on New Year's Day yeah so yeah. you know they they're not doing even in this bad run, they haven't they haven't been totally disastrous. Um, no, just just a city result, but uh, and they've had some tough games. Uh, I mean, they they're a complete anomaly. You know, they don't score very many goals. They hardly take any shots. None of the players take any shots. Um, they all their strength is at the back. You know, me and Tukowski and. Um, and uh, in Defoe and our field, you play sort of very defensive in midfield. And, you know, they're just, they, they try to be a solid team, uh, which is a struggle if you go down at home, that kind of scenario. Yeah. You know? yeah United get an early goal in this game, they win it, surely. Yes, I, I think that you would think that that's the case. And even like, I guess in a way, that Burnley draw at home is in our sort of top five worst results of the season, isn't it? It's It was really poor result given given that, you know, we conceded two goals to Burnley. But it was pretty freakish from what I understand, like a really good free kick and all that sort of thing. I, I think it's an interesting point to be made about their two centre-halves because they're both in, they're both attracting a great deal of praise. But just like Michael Keane did last season, and he's not really been able to replicate that form at Everton, uh, you wonder if how much of this is about just Dyche is really or Dyche and his team are just really good at drilling centre backs. So kind of whoever you put them put in there, as so long as they meet the kind of basic skill set formula, they're going to be able to d- look good in that defence. 
Yeah, right, right. I mean, he's yeah, he certainly, he certainly is. The whole team unit is is very important, and uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know whether. I, and I'm look. I wouldn't say um, Keane's had a bad season at Everton. Any worse than any of the other players at Everton? No. You know, and generally, Everton not having a great season. Nope. Um. Uh. Yeah. Would, would players? How, uh, yeah, fish out of water be really poor. I don't know. That, I mean, years ago, of course, that used to happen at Nottingham Forest, didn't it? You know, brilliant Forest teams under Clough and, and uh, the players, two of them famously ending up at United in Bertles and Webb, uh, being utter rubbish when they come, got to Old Trafford. <laughs> I mean, then there was one other that ended up at Old Trafford that did all right, if you if we remember, wasn't there? Occasionally. Yeah, I mean, you know, the... The, the literal best midfielder in the history of Manchester United is all I'm saying. Um, uh, the, the th- one of the things about Burnley is that their their core unit has played together an enormous amount. So like more than 1,800 minutes be- on the pitch each for Tokowski, me, um, a DeFore and Cork, which is the, like, that is the, the solid core centre of that team. And, one of the things that United are going to have to do, I suspect, is create a lot of chances in this game because Burnley blocks so many chances. That or I think it's kind of it's going to be we we have made a real stock in trade of scoring screamers from outside the box, haven't we? Um, and we've got players that can kind of do that almost consistently. I wonder yeah. if this game gets tight, we are going to see a lot of shots shoot on sight, twenty five shoot, shoot on sight, and I think it's not a bad policy. To be honest, uh, against Burnley, you've got to take your chance for where you can get it. Uh, the the one thing that counts against United is that we uh, hardly ever get to the byline and put a cross in. Yeah, uh, you know, um, and uh, you know, and definitely not a successful one. Um, right down the bottom of the Premier League for successful crosses, uh, and and that's because uh, you know our our wingers, such as they are, are always inverted and not really wingers. Mm. Um, so it, it it may well take something special, but you know maybe that opens the game up if that's uh, if that's early in the game. If not, it'll get to squeaky bum time late in the game, and we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you know, we are we are definitely the rest of this season is about consolidating Champions League position, isn't it? That's that's what this that's what the rest of this season's about. So, I mean, I I this is an important game. It's not a oh my goodness, it's a total disaster if we don't get a result in this game in the way that it would be if we were fighting tooth and nail to win the league. Um, but it would be upsetting, no doubt, if we if we didn't. Well, then we'd only be a draw behind Liverpool and Chelsea if they uh, <laughs> win this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what is your, what's your actual prediction for this game? What do you actually think is going to happen? I'm Burnley playing rubbish at the moment, so I think United are going to win 2-1. One will Burnley score a goal? I don't. Yeah, maybe. I don't think Burnley are playing rubbish at the moment. I think Burnley. Do, do you, who, who's going to start at the back? Actually, is it going to be Tweedledum and Tweedledee again? You can't. Phil Jones does not belong in this category. Like Phil Jones. Phil Jones is not Tweedledum. <laughs> yeah, but 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 Smalling brings him down to his level. <laughs> um, I uh, I'm I'm. Yeah, I, I guess I guess there's a there's a more than decent chance it'll be the two of them unless I mean there's no I'd have no idea when Eric Bailly's due back. Nah, he, he's not back for a while yet. Right, so I, I don't see that it's likely to. But there's no real need for rotation, and and there certainly wasn't against Stoke. So you'd imagine that that's what Mourinho thinks of as his first choice defence at the moment. Yep, I think so. Yeah. Um... 
So, victory for United, uh, probably much needed. I don't, I don't actually know who Liverpool and Chelsea are playing at the weekend. Um, uh, but, you know, let's hope they drop some points. Who cares? Um, They're I, rubbish buddies anyway. Yeah, Actually, it's Spurs that we need to look at. You know, four wins in the last five uh, in the league and, and Kane still knocking in the goals. Um, it's, uh, it's you know, they are the form team uh, aside from City. Mm. Ah, but City aren't the form team aren't anymore, are they? Uh, the in invincibles, they were. Yeah, invincible. at least they'll stop that pile of nonsense, won't mm. it? And uh, I'm sure they'll lose another couple before the end of the season because that's what happens. Yeah, you know? that's, uh, that's lot of game, lot of games to play, and uh, you can't be brilliant all of the time. That's why it's a big thing when a team goes through the league unbeaten, or more accurately, that's why in order to go through the league unbeaten, you have to completely sacrifice Give up the, on the yeah, idea of winning ex- a game exactly, ever. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and that actually it's a cowardly achievement befitting of Arsene Wenger's legacy. <laughs> you, you really hate your fellow Frenchman, don't you? I, don't, I think this is unpatriotic in some way. I don't hate him at all. I I feel like he is a character from a Shakespearean tragedy brought to life. Like his <laughs> own hubris is the thing. Are you that saying is he should undoing. take his own life? No, 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 not at this all. This is a no. tragedy. <laughs> no, I I I want him to have catharsis within this existence. Not in... he. He is constant as a northern star. <laughs> Constantly in the darkness. <laughs> yeah, um, of course, um, we've got another game to talk about, really, because I'm not sure. Well, no, 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 actually, we will do a pod about this time next week, won't we? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we can preview the uh, the Friday Night Lights again yep. at the mighty Yeovil Town. I mean, I feel like we've done, just played them a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Got a message from a friend of the show, Rob, um, who said the reason we played on Friday night, even though we weren't on telly, is because City were playing on Saturday afternoon and it was a police thing. So thank you, Rob. That was helpful. Uh, a genuinely helpful answer to the question we had on the podcast last week. Yeah. That, that whole can't play in the same cities nonsense. It's miles between the grounds. Yeah, but um, it's about police resources, right? It's about numbers. Tories, Ed. Uh, how much they, do you know how much they charge? Uh, the Tories have done an absolute number on them. They just literally, they, they've all slashed to the bone, aren't they? Look, I've got a solution to this. All you do is bung a few quid to the Manchester Education Committee. They'll <laughs> sort out the policing. No problem. Um, I guess I should predict a score for the Burnley game. Ah, I'm nervous about this one. I'm going to predict a one-all draw. Oof. Yeah, nervous. Oof. Oof. All right. Uh, this, you, you've never been positive ever since you left Twitter, Paul. I think it's, uh... <laughs> oh, you know, it's so nice to watch the games without the grumpiness of Twitter. Like even when we play, even when we're playing well, it just I just know that out there there's people moaning left and right about this, that, and the other, and it's so nice to be free of it and to just be able to think thoughts without having to broadcast them to the world. To, to yeah, yeah so most of them are going. Ed, when's Paul coming back? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I think the answer to that question, the longer this goes on, and it's only been two weeks, so I reserve the right to change this. I think the answer to that question might be almost definitely never. So, yeah. That's what I tell them. And then I add a few four-letter words. (laughs) Uh, Which which, uh, might include the uh, use of uh, (laughs) (coughs) self-fellation. Uh, yeah. um, all on right, that that's it for the week. Um, uh, uh, by the way, uh, at Anton Alfie on Twitter. Yeah, uh, friend of the show, most was, definitely. Uh, friend, friend of the show, does all those excellent videos uh, and stuff like that. Says, uh, uh, are you bringing the play-out tunes back? Uh, no, don't think we are, are we? 
Ah, I don't know. You, you, you're, uh, you know, VP in charge of playout team. <laughs> we'll see. All right. On that note, we'll see you next week. All right. Have a good one. Bye now. Glory, glory, Man United. That's me doing the playout tunes. You see, that's the thing. Anyway, see ya. The Rankcast is produced by Tom Jenkins and supported by listeners like you. Head to patreon.com slash rankcast to find out more.